Welcome to another episode of Hidden Perspective. This is Rob Greco. It's good to be back, joined by my co-host Jules, looking very sharp in this, what can only be described if you're listening on the audio as a as a jazz outfit of, of sorts, <laughs> wearing a, is, rocking a blazer and a, and a nice, uh, a nice uh, what's that, a, a beret? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the proper name. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I call, I'm pretty sure. I call it the- I've raised the female one, but the guy one is, uh, I don't know. It's, it's my, uh, it's, I call it my nonno capello. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, now you're looking very sharp, mate. How are things, how are things in Melbourne? Things are good. Things are good in Melbourne. I've, uh, I've actually been in the country for the last week making music up there. It's been good. But the reason I'm dressed so sharp, Rob, is mm. it's an important occasion it yes, was, uh, was it was your birthday only very a few important. Days ago. Oh yeah. yes, you remembered. <laughs> no, it's uh, thanks, mate. <laughs> it's, I, it's I actually, I, FYI, everyone, I I, told, I I forgot to message him. <laughs> <laughs> You'll make it up with a nice outfit. That's uh, it's, it's very kind of you, Jules. How old? How old you turn? Twenty eight years old. Turn twenty eight. Yes. Yeah, a couple of years away from thirty, which you don't really want to think about in your late twenties, but <laughs> it's uh, could be worse. And and you and you've just had all your restrictions turned down, right? So you guys are able to party as much as you want. Yeah, essentially, one day before my birthday, all restrictions gone. The first province in Canada to go uh, full uh, restrictions lifted pre-pandemic. It's yeah, it's it's exciting. Lots of people, lots of people on the streets. Bars are packed. Lots of lots of chaos when you go out in uh, <clears throat> on the nightlife. No, it's um. It's awesome. There's a um, we have this festival here in Alberta called Stampede, which is basically one of the biggest rodeos in, I believe, the world, and that's going ahead relatively restriction free next week. Uh, it's actually actually started this week, and we'll go to next weekend. So that's great. Everyone's everyone's pouring in. I think uh, I think f- few friends and I will go, and yeah, it's great. It's hopefully this is officially the end. We will see. Let's hope so. And, you know, I feel like it's, it's important to do just a, a vaccine health check. So <laughs> Rob, Rob got his Pfizer vaccine. Did, did, uh, do you still have functional testicles? Have, have, you lost, have you lost any function in any limbs? How's your vision? Yeah, no, it- <laughs> everything's, everything's working. Um, I feel like it's strange because there are some after where um, I, we actually didn't even discuss this in our vaccine chat with Brendan. But there are some. There have been some reports of heart inflammation, uh, myocarditis. Maybe if you're a doctor, you'll correct that pronunciation. But basically, heart inflammation that's been potentially some health authorities around the world are linking it to the vaccine. Others are saying we don't have a causal link yet. But I think you know. Anyway, there's a, at least a uh, highly probable link between the vaccine and uh, this heart inflammation. And it's strange because any time my heart <laughs> gives way slightly and, and feels a little bit of tightness in the chest, you're like, oh, could this be the vaccine? And But I think that is a, um, is a heuristic for that, uh, you know, confirmation bias, taking in evidence and, 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 and choosing to apply it to your situation. But no, I feel great. I feel great. Vaccine, uh, so far, so far a good choice. <laughs> How about you, Jules? How what's the vaccine status? Uh, yeah, wait, yeah, and, then, and then wait, wait till your babies pop out with three heads, man. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, uh, I don't. Am I allowed to get vaccinated? I don't even know if I'm, if we're currently eligible. They're sort of making their way down the age brackets. Although I think, I think I am eligible, but yeah, I don't know. I'm. Uh, Oh, 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 reasonably skeptical. <laughs> I, uh, well, in all seriousness, I do. I'm in a weird spot. So because I've got, I have an absolute IgA deficiency. So my immune system's an IgA deficiency. IgA, not the supermarket. Um, immunoglobulin A. So my, like, I'm missing a major component of my immune system. 
which uh, has definitely caused some major problems in my life. So I have actually spoken to my doctors about it and it's kind of, at this point, it's acceptable for me to be sitting and waiting to an extent. Also, potentially the opposite, if the virus was really seriously spreading in the country, maybe I'd need to be really careful and and get vaccinated ASAP. So I'm not sure because sometimes they mm. with, with, peop, with pe- people who've got... They don't always immune, recommend the vaccine. That's right. Yes. With people who've got immune <clears throat> system problems, they don't, they don't actually recommend the vaccine because, mm. um, you know, my, I've already got a misfiring immune system. So mm. I don't know what to do. I, uh, I actually need to speak to my doctors about it again. I mean, we spoke about it a long time ago now that the vaccines are all out and stuff and circulating. I'm not sure what the specific advice is for mm. my my situation. But, well, that's um, interesting because if, if you do fall into that category, you have a really interesting perspective that I've always wanted to discuss because people, advocates for potentially forced inoculations or at least, you know, mandated in the workplace, their argument is that um, it's it's it, it goes beyond a matter of personal choice when there are people in the population who are vulnerable and can't can't get vaccinated. So you have to force the vaccination on everyone to ensure that those who are at risk by virtue of not being able to take the vaccine, um, you have to offer those people some type of protection. How do you feel about that, uh, you know, forced mandatory vaccination argument if if you would potentially be the person that they're seeking to protect? I mean, I haven't looked at the data for the sake of uh, my own mental health. <laughs> I, I wonder if people with total IGA deficiencies just drop dead when they get COVID. I don't know. I mean, people with IGA deficiencies, they're way more likely to die of more traditional lung infections because yeah. IGA is a part of the immune system that fights viruses where mucus exists. Right. So in my gut, uh, in my sinuses, in my tonsils. So historically I've had some pretty big issues. Uh, and it's generally for fighting bacteria, also for fighting viruses. Hmm. What we know about the virus in the lungs is that it's not actually like a buildup, right? I mean, I've, I've started, you know, YouTubing all this stuff. So it's not like there's a massive buildup of fluid in the lungs. Hmm. That is what happens. It's not like a traditional pneumonia, right? It's like this really awful destruction of cells and inflammation in the lungs that stops people from being able to breathe. So I wonder if I'm more at risk. I, obviously, I would be if I'm not vaccinated compared to someone who is. Mm. How do I feel about people um, placing me more at risk by not getting the vaccinations? I don't know. I don't think people should be forced to get vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. I think we could do a whole podcast on that, but let's just uh, – I agree with you on that. All right. Well, you were um, you had a little special – uh, birthday article in keeping with the the birthday theme that we were well projecting for the for the epi- for the episode. Of Rob, yours, you're, you're, you're 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 one of the nicest people I know, Rob. I uh, I love you dearly. You're you're a great you're a great man. Very generous of spirit. Always thinking about the greater good. And it's funny because in the same week you had your birthday, so did the uh, Chinese Communist Party. They had their hundredth mm. birthday. Oof. And, you know, we know that they couldn't be the ton. Uh, a, a nicer group of people. So let's let's examine this this particular article and, and this, this general narrative that was presented. And I'll, I'll sort of start by saying that what you, he- you hear a lot, and you certainly hear it from the, the CCP, is that their lack of freedom they offer in their country – that is, you know, and like, how, how could you summarize that freedom? Well, you know, when we're talking about, okay, what are the human rights abuses of China and, and how are they justified? Well, let's start with how they're justified. This idea that the CCP has done this miraculous job of stemming and curing extreme poverty in China. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll put that to, to one side. And, and, then, and then, of course, there's human rights abuses. Like, you know, if you were to, in any serious way, dissent against uh, what the CCP is trying to do, you generally end up in jail or dead. Um, and of course, if you're a Uyghur, uh, right now you're having your children confiscated from you, you're being sterilized, and um, 
being forced to work in concentration camps. It's the largest group of a, it's the largest ethnic group to be placed in concentration camps mm. since World War II and the, the Nazi concentration camps for Jewish people. Uh, and I reckon, and I was thinking about this the other day, it was certainly the case that under that lovely Nazi regime in Germany, a massive justification for the central control and lack of freedom was the improving German economy and the improving outcomes mm. for German people. So we've seen this before, but anyway. All mm-hmm. right. And then during during so there was the hundred year celebrations and obviously, you know, China organized this huge propagandist big big ass birthday party full of guns and millions mm. of people singing nationalist songs and it was well reported and this narrative this idea that that the the, the CCP leverages its uh, centralized control and its lack of freedom to improve poverty it just it just keeps getting spun around and then there was this awesome ABC article that I want to review because it's to me it shows you how deceptive um, and manipulative and pervasive this this narrative is and how how quickly you can see that it doesn't make sense um when you examine the details properly right because mm-hmm. and, and and so as we go through this article what i'd like to say is what are the specific specific levers that totalitarianism has that allows for and has allowed for china to start to prosper like what specifically about it like why? Why did it need to be done under a totalitarian regime? Why do we need to not afford these people human rights in order for them to have left poverty, right? And actually, for at least the first seventy years, or maybe sixty years of CCP rule in China, I'd argue that they instigated, you know, some of the most intense poverty in history. Mm. Anyway, let's look at the article, Rob. All right, can you see that, Rob? Yep, we're good. And this is a very trendy article. Look at all the fancy graphics and shit. All right. So it's the 100-year anniversary. And the article starts with this discussion of Yin. That's not his name. He's a Chinese-Australian. He doesn't exist because he was um, born into a family that had already had a child, right? And so China was really strict about their their one-child policy. So yeah. old, old mate Yin here lived a very difficult life. It was basically, you know, kind of wasn't allowed to go to school, you know, basically lived in a closet, wasn't really allowed out of his house, suffered massive vitamin D deficiencies. And a lot of families did have second and, and third children and basically had to hide them. Right. So it's, a, it's an example of uh, some of the pretty intense things that China has, has done in order to um, deal with things like poverty, like overcrowding. Right. So the one child policy, a policy among many. Right. So it starts with this. It talks about him. And then it says here, the authoritarian regime transformed China so rapidly that today the nation identifies as both an emerging superpower and a developing nation at the same time, right? So 100 years since its founding, 72 years in power. So rapidly. I, I don't know that it's 100 years is, is that rapidly, Rob. <laughs> I, but anyway, right? So... Communist you have some comparable countries that- as well. You, you, you have some comparable um, Asian countries such as um, South Korea and, and Taiwan who have had uh, even more rapid. What word would you use to describe 20 years if, uh, if 100 years is rapid? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. So, okay. The CCP makes decisions that impact, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 right? So... We still don't know much about how the party runs its affairs, right? So, and then this is where the article, it gets really cool, right? Single party rule, a visual primer. So, a uh, single party rule, a visual primer, right? So, because this idea of a single party rule is really complicated, Rob. <laughs> what, what's involved is understanding that there's basically a structure. Oh, there's just one guy. Wait, oh, wait I'm just looking wait, at one wait. guy. So, no, no. So, so, old mate here on the left, he's, he's in charge, right? And then he's got a bunch of other gangsters that sit underneath him. Xi Jinping, him, for those right? playing at home. There, there he is. And then, oh, look at this fancy graphic. Premier of the State Council. He does this job. And old mate, he's the internal regulator. So he kills everyone that causes any problems. And then you've got... 
you know, and then we've got this guy, and oh, here's another fe- the United Front, and oh, the National People's Congress, is, you know, and then here they here here's all the gangsters sitting on the front, right? So, <laughs> like, okay, this is great, and in all seriousness, though, this is this is informative, and it is explaining the right. the way that the party the way that the party functions, right? And it obviously is a huge. Uh, institution and there's there's shitloads of people right here china does hold elections for local representatives mm-hmm. all candidates must be ccp approved right no photos or candidate information are provided only a name so okay really good elections there in china rob <laughs> really good elections okay so you know and I, I um and of course here's the one woman in yep. in in the elected CCP, right? Yep. So, in a nation with 680 million females, there are no women in the top rank, and only one in the Politburo, which is like this sort of important, like cabinet sort of thing, right? So, right, yep, awesome. All right, so we're looking at all these graphics, right? Ethnic minorities, and then you've got, oh yeah, you know, which of course. Are, it's totally excluded from the CCP, but anyway, we keep going. So difficult decisions. And this is where I start to get really fucking angry, right? So this, these two, this part, these like this little section here, single party rule allows for significant policy changes and difficult decisions to be made without much political fallout from the Chinese people. It also means that long-term targets can be set and political decisions made without concern or worry that an opposition party will gain popular support or unwind policy every few years. So when Chairman Mao decides to instigate the Great Leap Forward and uh, you know, try to transition the country out of sort of basic farming into these sort of centrally organized communes mm. and ends up uh, starving 55 million people to death – and shrinking the economy maybe greater than any single action, he's able to do it, and when anyone whinges about it, he gets to kill them and remain in power. <laughs> so that's an example <laughs> of what single-party rule allows for. <laughs> Significant <laughs> policy changes where it doesn't matter how many people you kill or starve, you get to remain in charge. Really fucking helpful, right? Right. So, for example, the idea of population control. Okay, and that's a pretty favorable example to put forward isn't it rob right Mm -hmm. so and sure that's an example and and you could put and i think people have argued that it helped but it's also created this pretty awful situation of infanticide where families that were were uh, birthing daughters simply just killed them so that they'd eventually have a male and as you touched on people living as second class citizens because they need to hide the fact that they're uh, a part of a more than a single child family yeah anyway so this is an example and they've decided to really follow hard on um the t- on the one child policy right and it's, right. it's important you know this idea of and it's a really interesting story the idea of these these people who just have to hide their existence from the world because they were a second or third child Following the turbulent decade of the Cultural Revolution in the 1960s and 70s, Mr. Deng's economic reforms transformed the country from being one of the world's poorest to the second largest economy on earth within a generation. And I think I, I would accept that. And yep. let's just be clear what those it is undeniable. And, and uh, what was that? What was the central part, Rob, of <laughs> of of that really important economic reform? Oh. Well, not the economic reform, Jules. It has to be the single party of the CCP, the single leader party. That's, that's what the journalist is saying, aren't they? Yeah. So, what was the what was the economic reforms? The economic reforms was ab- abandoning the certain impoverishment of communistic fundamentalism. Of course, I'm and- being sarcastic. That's right. <laughs> And 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 allowing foreign countries, the West, to come in and invest an unbelievable amount of money because mm-hmm. obviously China had this incredibly huge labor force that you could pay very little <laughs> uh, to hire and, and make shit for you. And then over and, – and basically Deng decided to open up the country to foreign investment. And also start to, over a very long process, embrace principles of, of capitalism, right? And this is just right. kept going on further and further. Economic liberalization. Right. So here's what I don't understand. 
right? <laughs> and then is is why China needs to be totalitarian, have a single party rule for it to have experienced these economic reforms. And then to also to describe the cultural revolution in the 60s and 70s as turbulent. Rob, the cultural revolution was probably behind, like, is up there with Stalin as the most intense purge of dissent in human history, right? Mm. Mm. Like we are talking about the mass, mass murder of everyone who was in opposition to to to, to the CCP. Right. So, you know, this is just this is just a pathetically favorable um, description of, of what's going on. And it's also excusing or just basically not including the amount of starvation that uh, the communists brought to China in their does first it, 30 to 40 years it, of rule. Does it not mention economic liberalization or anything about the negative consequences of totalitarian rule? Nowhere in the we'll, article. We'll go on. No, it. no, we'll go on. We'll go on. Okay. So, <laughs> I to right? do a little sanity check. So, senior CCP members, the ABC approached, have declined to speak about the controversies that arose out of its policies or how difficult decisions are justified. Yeah, no shit, fucking journalists. Because if they talk to you, they'll be found, <laughs> sent to re-education camps where they'll be tortured, bullied, and threatened yeah. with death. <laughs> and that's and, that's the key feature of a totalitarian rule is you don't have to discuss any controversies. You more, don't more have to discuss anything that goes wrong, or you can what? do it on your terms of reference. <laughs> No, more, more, more interestingly, I wonder if the people who wrote this article are these senior CCP members because they seem to have been pretty concerned. <laughs> they seem to have been pretty concerned about making any major criticism of the CCP or being. Anyway, let's keep going. So, Mr. Zhang Tang, right? He was he worked in the United <coughs> Front, some big, you know, department, whatever. He's a defector. He decided to leave. Um, his job was to monitor religious groups, enforce the one-child policy. He says he never once disobeyed an order. Of course, he can't say that he did, but anyway. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay. So then it starts to talk about the function of the party, the way that people try to um, – you know, the way that you progress in the party is by making sure who's above you likes you very much, you know, similar to working for a major corporation. Anyway. Right. Um, and it, by the way, if you're not if you're not viewing this on YouTube, just listening to the audio, this is an extensive article. Jules, Jules has just been scrolling nonstop, and we're still we're still not at a, a point where they you know fairly criticise the right. totalitarian so dis- rule. But anyway, <laughs> despite its socio-capitalistic wealth, the CCP is still guided by communist principles like democratic centralism and collective Ooh, leadership. Okay. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Democratic centralism, despite its socio-capitalist wealth. Basically what it means is despite abandoning the principles of communism, the ones they wanted to keep were the ones that said nine people can be in charge and you can all do what you say and if you disagree with us, we're going to fucking kill you. That's what that sentence means. Anyway, these ideas strive for lo- leadership through consensus and unity. Hey, you know, next time I have a disagreement with my band, I'm going to bring a shotgun pointed at their fucking heads and I reckon I'll get some consensus pretty quick, <laughs> won't I, Rob? What a joke. Okay. <laughs> Given that more, more graphs showing that the central committee is on top. Like, what the fuck? Anyway. All right. Now, here's where I get really annoyed. Here's where I get really annoyed. Okay. The CCP is definitely different. As a ruling party, it is very much supported, but I wouldn't dare say it's supported by the majority of people because it wouldn't dare to announce a general election in China. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) A general election? The CCP is now the longest running and most successful communist party in human history. Again, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to go for a walk down Shanghai and explain to me what about the fucking place is communist. Other than everyone is scared to death because they're being monitored 24-7. Right? Some say, right, Tiananmen Square, right, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, that's right. They kill everyone who dissents. In 2020, the CCP claimed that it achieved its centenary target of eradicating absolute poverty across the country. Mm. Now, here's what's interesting. When the CCP claims something, and is anyone in any position to challenge this idea? For example, is there like what evidence is presented? And if you if you if you decided to challenge the CCP on this in China, I don't think that would go very well for you. 
How do you get to verify? Yeah. How, how do you verify any of these claims? How do we know how much poverty has actually been removed from China? Clearly right. a lot of it. Clearly it's a very wealthy place now in parts. Right. But I, I don't know. And 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 um, these achievements aimed at improving the lives of hundreds of millions of Chinese people are front and center of its celebrations today. And people's belief in them will be critical to maintaining its legitimacy in coming years. And this is the point. This narrative and what this article has basically decided to just – to just regurgitate is straight up CCP propaganda. They remind everyone that it's okay to not have any rights. It's okay to not be able to dissent. It's okay to be ethnically cleansing parts of the country because, hey, we've made you all richer, right? And if you're going to present that argument, it's like debating 101. It's like arguing 101. It's you need to prove the causality, Rob. You need to actually explain what about these levers makes it central to still being totalitarian. Or how could you organize the country if it didn't have a single party rule? Well, right. Well, right. Well, th- that's what the article should have been about. It or, shouldn't have been about just. If the claim is that authoritarianism per se is what leads to these, you know, huge, huge reductions in absolute poverty into these, you know, huge economic games, you need to prove that every authoritarian regime has the same results. Otherwise, well, you don't have causality. You've cherry picked one example. And the same is the the inverse. You also need to prove that no capitalist country, no capitalist democratic country, even better, capitalist democratic country in an Asian in an Asian setting was able to to achieve similar reductions in poverty and uh, similar growth in uh, in economic prosperity, and that's patently false. Because if you look at if you look at how many Asian countries who are intensely capitalist and democratic, South Korea, Japan, um, Taiwan to some extent, uh, now with some interesting um, happenings regarding China itself, but you know. All those three countries exist. So, yeah, it's uh, in 1979. Meat and rice had to be rationed. 1979. So, what's that? Forty years of, of of communist rule, and people had to get a coupon from the government to buy them. In 2020, Beijing reportedly eradicated extreme poverty and is aiming for a moderately prosperous society in 2035. This success is important, not only materially, but also politically, for proving what Beijing sees as the superiority of the authoritarian system. Rob, if you're a journalist, your job is to grab CCP propaganda, rightly assume it to be misleading, manipulative, and politically favorable, and to examine it and, like, Examine its validity, right? Prioritizing pragmatism over strict ideology. For example, inviting foreign investment into its communist tradition has been integral to the CCP's success and domestic popularity. Are you fucking kidding me, Rob? Abandoning, Abandoning the bamboo curtain... Letting the West invest in your country and embracing capitalism got everyone out of poverty. No I shit. A, I think that's my favorite, my favorite sentence I've ever read in a uh, in a um, a piece of journalism. Inviting foreign investment into its communist tradition. In other words, it's no longer communist. No. No, but we get to still be in charge, you see? So you, everyone's, everyone's been allowed to go and make money in China, but it's been on this very clear condition, which is that as long as the CCP doesn't, doesn't miss out, okay? It doesn't miss out and lose control, all right? And that's been the exchange. There hasn't been this, this exchange between, oh, you know, uh, uh, authoritarianism is going to get everyone out of poverty. No, it's that authoritarianism is important to the CCP. And they still haven't, like, has been inviting foreign investment into its communistic tradition. <laughs> do you need do you need to be an authoritarian regime in order to let Nike go and build a bunch of factories in your fucking country? Like is that is that what's necessary yeah. for Nike to come here? Or would Nike have been there 40 years earlier like they were in Korea and Taiwan? <laughs> Bullshit. Okay? And then and then we get to this stupid ambassador Right. Despite criticisms of the Chinese system of governance, its legitimacy has been sustained by vastly improving the lives of hundreds of millions of citizens. No, they didn't. The CCP didn't do that. Nike did that. Coca-Cola did that. All the Italian manufacturers did that. All the car manufacturers did that. What a joke. Hey, come and make money here. 
It's just, it's just, see, and, and this is, that's not a quote, right? Its legitimacy has been sustained by vastly improving the lives of hundreds not, of millions of citizens. <laughs> the journalist genuinely believes that. Who is this journalist? It's the Asia Pacific ABC. Uh. And there's a bunch of them written down. Okay. So, but, um, and then, oh, as recent times have demonstrated with infringements on Hong Kong's democracy <laughs> and Uyghur re-education camps in Xinjiang, it is clear that this is not the case, right? As in China hasn't decided to become more democratic. No, it's ethnically cleansing at the worst rate since the fucking Holocaust. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Right? Western capitalism has suffered reversals, a financial crisis, a credit crisis, a crisis of confidence, and their self-conviction has wavered. Uh, oh, right? my Okay, and this is so. This is now quoting uh, Xi Jinping's speech um, at the Hundred Year Party. Okay, so um, they must stop lecturing us on human rights and interfering in in our internal affairs because they're a bunch of hypocrites. Blah 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 blah. <coughs> and yeah, it just it goes back to the one child policy. And yeah, there's 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 this quote from uh, this this ambassador, and of course he says, Rob, he says, you can't eat democracy. You can't eat it. You can't eat democracy, as in, as in, as in, you know. Oh, everyone wants everyone wants There's freedoms and rights, but you know, what's the point of freedoms and rights? Democracy won't provide you food. Won't provide you food, you know. And, and whereas, 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 <laughs> you can you can eat authoritarianism, Rob. You can eat the shit out of that, you know. And I, I like my authoritarianism served with a side of bacon, all right, and sweet chili aioli. Oh, jeez, I think. That, that was written by the ABC, and it was clearly a lot of effort put into it. Had all those beautiful graphics. It went on for ages. Sorry, could and- you bring that up again, the article again? Because there was something interesting I noticed at the very end of the article. I've never seen this before in an Australian uh, article, but the very end they 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 offer a direct Chinese translation. Correct. Correct. And and. Uh- which, I mean, Chinese people are more than welcome to read this, but that's. Does anyone not think that's strange? Does that happen regularly with the ABC? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but, you know, I, I, I'm starting to sound like uh, Alan Jones, but <laughs> seriously, Rob, that, that, if you're a journalist and what you write looks really close to some sort of CCP um, press statement, like you're not a fucking journalist, mm. you know? And if and if you're going to talk about poverty and the CCP and you don't talk about the Great Leap Forward and the first fucking 50 years of yeah. mass starvation just, that they instigated, then you're not a real journalist. This article is this article is is just is utterly abysmal, you know? And and to just casually go past the concentration camps. Oh, oh, you know, oh what? <laughs> it's a strange bedfellow, uh, potentially a left-leaning or, or right-leaning, but you know, I'm, I'm guessing a potentially left-leaning uh, Western journalist and the Chinese Communist Party, because of some, maybe some set of progressive thought who like the idea that that more government control, more government direction, and and bureaucracy is no better than um, self-directed citizens, and and therefore that that's a good thing for society. Do you sense like? Do you sense that there's any of that? I mean, what are the motivations of this person? Do they genuinely politically believe in the CCP political project? I, I don't know, that's so strange. I, I I just I just I like let, let me be very clear on where the what is where the glaring lack of assessment lies in, in this article and. I think we've said it again, but it should be should we say it again? If I'm going to say that there is a benefit to fighting poverty and improving the wealth of a country from having a lack of human rights and democracy, I need to go into detail explaining why that's the case. We were literally right. given three sentences, and they were you can it's more easy to go for long-term goals. Because you're not worried about mm-hmm. uh, having your long-term plans reversed mm-hmm. uh, by some other party that gets brought in, so they can, you know, in, in, for example, in Australia, it's often said, you know, that you know, 
oh, governments don't go for long-term reforms anymore. It's all about mm. winning the election cycle, mm. you know? Mm. And maybe mm. we should have, instead of four years in party, eight years in party. Bipartisan so that, support, yeah. So that, and so that, so that you know, um, you could implement difficult tax reforms in the first three years of your, or the first four years of your, um, uh, of your tenure. And then, you know, you could actually, you could persevere with things that take time and are difficult. And then if we elected people over longer periods of time, they'd be able to achieve more long-term reforms, right? Right. What are the examples in this article of the reforms China made to improve its situation? They were the one-child pol- the, the one policy and uh, inviting Western money into their communist, communistic tradition. Inviting foreign investment into the communist tradition. I'll never forget okay. that quote. Rob. Do you need to be a single-party, authoritarian, mass-murdering regime to let foreign investment into your country? Like that's the necessary condition, according to that person. Like, that's what a, that's what it takes. What a that's bloody what it joke. Takes. Yeah, and a complete uh, a complete dismissal, ignoring silence on a you know a, a fairly comparable regime in the sense of communist and authoritarian being the Soviet Union and no discussion whatsoever when the Soviets in the 80s, when they, you know, realized that, you know, the jig was up and they had to eventually liberalize because there are too many bread lines and too many people without food that they sent, they went on an excursion uh, to the UK and they went to the London School of Economics and they asked, you know, I see everyone every day getting food with ease. Uh, there are no lines. Um, which committee is in charge of uh, ensuring that that happens? And the economist at the London School of Economics says, uh, you know, precisely no committee, and precisely that's why it fucking works. ABC. I was watching. Uh, I was watching. <laughs> I was watching Mad as Hell, and uh, he's he's amazing, Sean McAuliffe. He's so funny, and you know, he made a joke, a sarcastic joke, which is you know that people think. You know, the ABC is run by a bunch of crazy communists. <laughs> when you're publishing junk like that, <laughs> I, I, I can't defend them. I can't defend this crap. That, that is abysmal, Rob. It is utterly abysmal, utterly pathetic. And there's a bunch of people sitting in concentration camps mm. that, 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 where, that, you know, people at the ABC really give a shit about that, right. that should feel very, uncomfortable about hoping to be well represented by this pathetic and the thing is it was it was highbrow it was like a centerpiece on the website you saw how much yeah. fucking time and energy they was dedicated so many graphics. resources into it that was a shitload. how many people would have been involved had the, yeah at the fucking chinese all these credits at the bottom and all these researchers what the fuck did you guys research like, <laughs> like like what what like you know what oh, incredibly man. strange Okay, and so let's let's be real. Let's be real. What what is China? China is a brutal dictatorship that has a, that has abandoned all of its Marxist ideals. Right, has coerced its own population into being obsessively consumerist. Right, they after the GFC, they realized if they wanted to keep growing, they needed to stimulate. Uh, d- domestic demand, right? So you walk through any part of China, right? My, I, I've spent a bit of time in China. I've spent only three months in China. And I know it's, it's different depending where you go, but most of the time you're in China, you feel like you're, work, you're walking through the never-ending shopping mall, okay? Mm. There's mm. nothing fucking communist about it. Everyone's mm. wearing very, very nice clothes, mm. okay? Drinking yeah. the world's most expensive wine. They have the latest technology. All, all the truffles, all the phones, all the fast cars, they're all in China. There's nothing communist about it, okay? The only thing, the only remnant of the communism is the fact that it's now a real, real life 1984, okay? And that it's, <laughs> that it's a decrepit Orwellian universe. <laughs> and that, and. And oh, and and this narrative is so toxic. And the fact that you can read some uh, heavily invested in ABC article and have it sit alongside CCP propaganda, and 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 the fact that it works in parallel motion with that is a fucking disgrace. And you know, I'd I would stand I would stand side by side on Ellen Jones right now. 
<laughs> God help me. God Get help me. On. Look, look at what this guy news. No, I think that was uh, I think that was a point well made. It dovetails nicely in two respects to what I wanted to bring up in this um, in this podcast episode, which is one media malpractice, and which is uh, number two uh, CCP cover up over potential Wuhan lab leak. So the uh, the the media uh, um, desecration of its own standards isn't isn't limited to how they how they actually talk about. Um, the the Chinese Communist Party, but um, just the complete backflip is what I really want to mention. The complete backflip in how media outlets in the West primarily have uh, you know performed in regards to the source of the coronavirus. So, in other words, was the coronavirus uh, you know uh, you know, created in a, a wet market? As we were all led to believe in, you know, the early parts of of, uh, of 2020, or did it in fact come from a uh, uh, a lab leak from a um, um, a lab within uh, Wuhan? And you know, Jules, I've uh, I've got a few articles which I think neatly demonstrate my point with how how frustrated I am by not only the complete backflip, but by the conviction uh, that people had. Uh, last year when they reported on this and the lack of humility this year when they are self-correcting and realizing that they were totally full of shit last year when we have now mounting evidence that you know uh, covid could have indeed come from um the lab so i've got a few articles here and so jules you took aim at the abc i'll take aim at the abc but first the cbc which is uh the canadian equivalent here which is uh what i've been what i've been surrounded by the last last few years so uh, we have an article from the CBC, um, <clears throat> Andrea Balomer, uh, from March 24, 2020. And the headline reads, No, the new coronavirus wasn't created in a lab, scientists say. And she goes, One of the most persistent and widespread pieces of disinformation during the COVID-19 pandemic has been the conspiracy theory that the novel coronavirus that causes the disease was created in a lab and was let loose either by accident or on purpose by some nefarious actor. The theory not only lives on social media and internet message boards pushing conspiracy theories, but has been publicly floated by politicians. On Sunday, Iran's Supreme Leader, Ayatollah Allah Khamenei, raised the idea that SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes uh, COVID-19, was created by the US government. According to Al Jazeera, uh, kind of said he didn't know how real the theory was, yada yada. But basically the thrust of this article is they have genuine proof that the theory being promulgated by none other than we heard it first from the CCP, Jules, our friends, um, that that the virus was caused by a bat uh, in the wet markets, and that any suggestion that it was caused from a, from a lab leak is a totally conspiratorial, has no evidence, um, and uh, should be you know uh, you know consigned to the 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 wackiest places on the internet. One year later. CBC, why the Wuhan lab leak origin theory of COVID-19 virus is being taken more seriously. 18 scientists signed a letter calling for inquiry into COVID-19 origin. Now, everyone at home could do, could do this exercise for any of their favorite uh, media outlets, any of the media outlets that, they, that de- they deem reputable and they deem free of disinformation, free of misinformation. Uh, you're free to do that because I also did it with the ABC, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, uh, you know, uh, this, the 17th of April, 2020, uh, the ABC. Coronavirus may have come from a Chinese lab. Wait for it. If you believe Donald Trump, but experts disagree. And obviously, the, uh, the, you know, the premise of this article is that anyone who believes code came from a lag believes in Donald Trump and therefore should be dismissed. But believe it or not, Jules... Um, One year later, that same outlet, the ABC, Wuhan lab leak theory investigations ongoing, 18 months after the arrival of COVID-19. And then the ABC, our uh, our best mates, as we've established in this this podcast episode, uh, again, on the... uh, uh, This one is part of their their Signal program from the Signal team, which is, um, I believe they do, uh, you know, little pieces of investigative journalism did covid-19 come uh, did covid-19 leak from a lab 
and then they have some experts and and they discuss and basically the evidence is i you know uh, i implore everyone to do their own research but the evidence is that there were people who were uh, working at the lab which contracted uh, coronavirus um you know much earlier than the, the the first previously known case so you know back in you know september october last year um 20, 2019 um there are certain characteristics about the lab that make it unlikely um that it did come from um a bat you know jump into a pangolin or as they as they previously uh, previously established but the point is we we just if you don't know what caused something if you don't know and and this point is amplified if you don't know what caused the uh the thing that you know instigated the most catastrophic economic social and political disaster in our lifetime potentially for the rest of the century your job as a journalist isn't to say that it's not a theory that you can't falsify. It isn't to believe exactly what comes from the mouthpiece of the authoritarian regime from where the, the virus first emerged. No, no, Your job Rob- as a journalist is to be skeptical of all theories, weigh the evidence, and if you don't know, you say, we don't know. The media is more likely to be distrusting of Trump than they are of the CCP. Spot on. <laughs> Spot on. The, it's yeah. fucking outrageous. <laughs> I, 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 like, fair enough. You know, Donald Trump, is he, a, is he a serial liar? He is. Guess who else is, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> Can someone please show me a list of all of the dissenters Donald Trump had assassinated in the last four years? Can I, can I see the list? Seriously. Uh, is, he a, is he a mass murdering lunatic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then is is he currently instigating the biggest fucking <laughs> yeah. ethnic cleansing <laughs> since the Holocaust? <laughs> but but apparently today on on my iPhone on my Apple News update I got uh let's find this um let's find this stupid stupid headline. Why it's time to start calling Trumpism fascist. So the subtext for the guy who spent 4 years uh leading the most powerful country in the world is that he was a fascist. And uh, like, um, you know, fascists of the past, he um, implemented fascist rule, he got rid of democracy, he didn't allow for the election that, you know, eventually kicked him out. Not to mention that the most powerful companies in the world being, you know, Twitter and Facebook have, and YouTube have successfully taken him off, um, off all the airways because now we virtually live online. Uh, but yet just the, the mere thought of Trumpium is now fascist. Where at the same time, a similarly credible institution, the ABC, can't say one bad word about a genuinely authoritarian and dangerous regime being the CCP. Look, here's, so here's where it's interesting. Because, you know, the other day I watched, it was either Four Corners or Foreign Correspondent. And there was some, in fact, it wasn't. I think it was a vice. I can't remember, but I, I watched some some investigative journalism into the concentration camps in 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 China. But we're not mates with Trump. I'm not. I'm not down with Trump, right? I, and and sh- when Trump talks to you, should journalists be straight away thinking, "Oh, how's he lying to me?" This guy's this lying. Time? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Should. When Scott, yeah. Scott Morrison has a chat. Should you be sitting there thinking, oh, what's he going to say? How's he going to lie? Absolutely, right? And when you're dealing with the CCP, you know, it's not have they lied, how they've lied. It's just how they've lied, yeah? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just. Yeah. But I, I think, know. You, you know, I mean, to play devil's advocate here, just very briefly, you should be able to admit when China has done incredible things. And if a CCC pop. CCP policy has caused some good outcomes and you might want to understand what policies have they implemented that worked, you should be able to adjudicate that. But you that requires you to, you know, verify that. It also requires you to say when that could be wrong. It requires you to bring some, you know, journalistic, uh, you know, mindset to the actual problem. And I absolutely agree with you. I, you know, would not have voted for Trump, uh, you know, didn't like most of his policies, maybe did a couple of okay things. Um, but you know, the idea that going back to lab leak, the idea that if Trump said something that could be right, your opposition to how heinous he is requires you to reject wholesale everything that he believes. 
He's the fucking president of the United States. It's likely he's getting the best intel. If he tells if he tells you that intel from some of the top scientists who are going to advise him every fucking day in a pandemic, and he says it could have come from the Wuhan lab, which is going to help us prevent the next pandemic if we can actually verify the source of where the pandemic fucking came from, then that's a much that's that's a sensible thing to journalists to say, okay, the person with the most intel is saying this. Maybe it could be true. It's not to instantly define ourselves in opposition to everything he says, which is going to delay and stall and complicate, um, you know, solving this pandemic and making sure we're prepared to prevent the next pandemic. Couldn't agree more, Rob. And like, and these, these are... These authoritarian regimes, they've got form on this. Like Chernobyl, right? Right. Right. You know, they just they just lied endlessly yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Lied to their yeah. own lied to their own population. <laughs> lied <laughs> lied to well, all lied to all the lied to all, all the all the border countries, you know? They're, any they're, journalist, yeah, exactly. Like, any journalist with their grain of salt would have known that in this pandemic, the the CCP lied. They 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 covered it up in the beginning. They um they they didn't tell us all the evidence. They didn't allow fact finding missions, which is actually ironically why Taiwan, who went independent much earlier than everyone else, um, was able to have a much better response than the rest of the world. They 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 lied about um you know whether there was asymptomatic transition. There was just an absolute plethora of mistake and mistake and mistakes have been no been by no means limited to the Chinese government in the pandemic. I think most governments have made absolutely terrible mistakes throughout the pandemic. But if they have such a poor track record, why would you blindly, blindly believe on face value the first theory that they promulgate? Because I think it was a it could because it was a political football. I mean China had been a political yeah had been a, a political instrument for Donald Trump the entire time he was in power. And I would say on China, I enjoyed Donald Trump starting to talk about China. Right. And, yeah. And, and challenge them on yeah. things. I mean, I, I, I you can and, hate and, the man, but agree that part of his policies made sense. I, I supported, I supported the trade war stuff. I mean, I, I, I think it's, I think that the double standard in China is fucking outrageous. You know, Australia is mm-hmm. an enormous trading partner with China, but it's mm. entirely on China's terms, mm. right? Mm. In every meaningful way. Right. And they just, they bully and, and cheat. They manipulate the prices of things. Wholesale they, fraud of IP. Yeah. I think the the idea that it, it, it leaked from a lab implicated China in a poor way. And uh, and Donald Trump really wanted to, wanted to push this China thing. He's calling it the China virus, all the rest of it. Now, maybe that was too far. Maybe does that stuff lead to racism? I don't know. There's me going on and on about how the Orwellian CCP right. sucks. Yeah. Does that make me racist? I don't think so. Yeah. But so- I think, yeah, I, I think I should do a little bit of throat clearing, which I probably should have done at the beginning of the episode, but is that, you know, nothing that Jules nor I are saying about China implicates anything about Chinese people. It's p- precisely about the authoritarian regime and the system of government, which we're criticizing. This is nothing about Chinese people. Because every Chinese person I've met is, you know, one of the nicest, uh, most hardworking people. And I and I have friends who are, who are, who are from China and, uh, you know, would say nothing, um, you know, critical of Chinese people, but it's the regime. But Jules, back to your point, you can't talk about the virus coming from a lab because it poorly implicates China. But yet somehow you know, blindly accepting that the virus came from a wet market and they, you know, the the implication being that Chinese food was dirty and you shouldn't trust their forms of, um, you know, hospitality and, and agriculture and the way they produce food. How is that not painting China in a much more negative light? How is that not painting China in a much more racist way? The, the labs suggest that, oh, they're an advanced country. They obviously have very intelligent people. They have investment. They're uh, working on advanced medicine. That paints China in a much better picture, uh, in a much better light. Potentially, they, they their safety wasn't up to scratch. But still, you would much rather have it come from a lab. I think if you were projecting yourself as a developed, advanced country, like the other article was referring them to, wouldn't you much prefer the lab leak? If your concern was racism, as a journalist. Yes, I would, but 
<laughs> I, I think what you're saying is persuasive, but I'm sitting here and I'm 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 thinking about these women who are currently being sterilized. <laughs> and it's like how this this there can't be a discussion around PR. Right. Like, oh, they they've oh no, China's had a lab leak. That's really bad for China. China's Killing <laughs> and sterilizing and abducting people's children. <laughs> like, 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 what fucking difference does it make if they fucking gave us coronavirus as well? These these people are a pack of cunts. And and these and these people that I'm talking about, uh, I had the graphic up before. There's fucking eight of them, and there's yeah, <laughs> and yeah, there's one guy yeah. who's on top. There's, but it has nothing I'm, to do I'm, with the millions of citizens no, who are just no, trying to get fact, by. No, yeah, and, and and the whole the whole everything I explained yeah. before was how all of the people who live in China have no fucking say on any right. of this stuff at all, right? Right, So right. I, I was talking about a very specific group of yeah. people, Rob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. This tiny, this <laughs> tiny amount of people who get to sit and be in charge of the CCP. And like, there's like 10 of them and they're all men and they can all go to hell. Like, it's, it's just, <laughs> it's like, it's... Uh, <sighs> The reason, like, and in, in you're right, and because and, and, the, the, these two instances, right, and I think this is a, maybe a good place to, to summarize. Lab leak being dismissed so early on in the piece. The reason why this matters is because it's really important to stay open and investigative to issues that are that as significant as that, right? That's like right. Where did the virus come from? How was it originated? You know, there's potentially different realities for treatment and for vaccine development and all kinds of things right. based yeah. on the fact that it doesn't seem like it had natural origins, right? So, and and this is this is a, this is a really important story in the history of the world, right? Absolutely. So, so 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 media outlets deciding to just shut things down in this instance is serious. And what I would also say is serious is that the CCP is a is an awful ethnic cleansing, totalitarian, uh, human right destroying, growing global superpower. And there it's in, in my opinion it's important that they're treated as such. And when the ABC writes an article and puts all that time into an article celebrating the hundred years of, 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 of the CCP and, and basically regurgitate CCP propaganda, to me, the stakes there are really, really high. Because when the CCP wants to fund institutions at all our major universities and the Liberal Party starts bringing laws to stop can, that, thank yeah. God, yeah. right? And it's the important. Institutes. Yeah. Right. It's important. Yeah. It's important those things are kicked out of our fucking universities because <laughs> they're funded by the same yeah. people that are currently sterilizing young girls. Okay. And the shit. It's not. It's not. It's not immaterial. You can't write one sentence about this, Rob. About these concentration camps. You can't write just one sentence about about how committed these people are to instituting what they want and, and how little they care are to say, no, they just care more about right. society than the individual. That's the communistic right. tradition. Right. Right. Okay. So why do all these Muslims need to be sterilized and killed and tortured and <laughs> sent to concentration camps and re-educated for the societal benefit? And to be completely fair, like dismissing China as a, uh, you know, dismissing the CCP as a completely evil, uh, you know, government outfit does not abdicate you from your responsibility from implying similar pressure and criticizing the atrocious things that have been done in the name of the Australian people through the Australian government Absolutely. and through the American government. You know, the fact that we're only now, Biden is saying that we're, we're uh, the US and allied forces are going to be leaving the Middle East now, 20 fucking years after the trade centers fell down. Literally, there are people, there are American soldiers serving in the Middle East now who weren't even born when the Taliban, uh, you know, Taliban forces took down the World Trade Center. Weren't even born. So, you know, the amount of innocent blood spilt due to our involvement, which, mind you, was highly fueled by a media class which wouldn't examine conspiratorial claims about weapons of mass destruction. And we just b 
blindly believed the intelligence agencies um, in the Five Eyes and around the world. What have journalists learned? You cannot blindly believe any intel that is immediately fed to you by a government outfit, whether they be a Western government outfit, whether they be um, a secret service agency in the West, whether they believe, whether they be a, um, a Chinese government outfit. No, for, yeah, and you're you're right to say that you know these governments that are that are democratic. You know, I mean, they're probably pseudo democratic, and they're probably mm-hmm. you know, as in Australia and all all the rest of them, right? And um. To a certain extent, and we can go on with some sort of uh, uh, sort of corporate, yeah. corporate class, corporate uh, class, yeah, you know, and uh, conspiratorial nonsense. But alliance. The point yeah. is, yeah. you're right. To, you're right to say that it's not just the CCP, right? But you know, we we uh, the Australian government's not sterilizing people. It does have, I think, you know, a couple of hundred refugees in detention. Yeah, some, of some them, heinous some of them, conditions. Some of them for have refugees. been in there for ten yeah. years. Australia's got, you know, is currently imprisoning every second Indigenous child. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Australia's Australia's age yeah. of youth imprisonment. Yeah. Australia's age of criminality, I think, is ten years old. Yeah. Some UN highly, highly rec- illiberal drug laws that we <laughs> continue to preside over. Right. So there's 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 very 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 serious. Um, humanitarian issues with governments all over the world. But um, we can't we can't possibly take um, the CCP as seriously and legitimately as that article did. And and the and um, yeah, there was that 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 article was disgraceful. <laughs> <laughs> and with that Jules and I are hopping onto Sky News with Alan Jones uh, this week to continue our <laughs> absolute uh, tirade against the CCP. I think they're all insane. And one final thing, if you enjoyed this episode, please spread the word and let your friends and family know about it. And also, if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and notification bell. See you next time.